Welcome to DMC with a friend. Join us as we navigate through life, enter deeper, meaningful conversations, and embark on a life-changing journey towards positive change. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of our postgrad trilogy. Today, in the final episode, we're going to talk about career development throughout our lives, and especially in college versus now in our quote-unquote adulthood. Let's start from the beginning, Jen. When you were a kid, what was your childhood dream job? Ooh. My childhood dream job、uh, was to become an animator, just because I had a interest in art and anime. And my favorite animation right now is The Little Prince, and I think that really reflects off of what I kind of love to do. What about you? What was your childhood dream? If I'm gonna be honest, I don't really think I have one. <laughs> That's okay. Probably should have made one up just to sound like I was less boring. <laughs> As a child, I don't think I focused on the future. You know, I just like wanted to play in the moment.、Mm. I don't think I ever had something where I was like, I want to become a astronaut or like a, I don't know, a singer. Yeah. So whenever you know the adults ask you, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" What would you answer? What did you answer? In hindsight, I'll be like, "I'm a fucking child. How would I know?" <laughs> <laughs> That's a straight up mood. I don't know. I I really don't remember. Maybe I just said I wanted to be a cat or something. That's still true to this day. I think. <laughs> <laughs> In college, I think we definitely probably had a better idea of what we wanted to do.、Uh-huh. So when you were in college, did you envision something for yourself that was different from when you were a kid, and what led you to think that way? You know, was it what you study or your experiences? I mean, I think I really had an interest in education for a very long time. You know, coming into USC, I wanted to become a teacher, but this dream of mine. Changed to a child psychologist, then shifted to becoming an OT. I really just explored my options during college, but you know, coming out of college, I came to realize that I am interested in psychology. Hence, reason my why my、uh, major was psychology and the importance of providing equitable opportunities for children. From that, I now came to realize that I want to become a school psychologist. Right, but that was a journey to get there.、Right? It was. It really was, and I think it was because through the opportunities that were provided, it helped shape the dream that I had, and and later became more of a passion and a goal towards my career. What about you? What was your experience like in college, and what did that help with creating your career choices? I went into college completely confused about what I wanted to do.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> I went into USC undecided, and I was really undecided. I didn't know any direction I wanted to go into. One of the great things about college is that you're able to explore a lot of different fields. In high school. I think in most high schools you are required to take a lot of different subjects, and then you're kind of 
meant to pick a major out of that. But looking back, I thought we did everything, but there's so many things that we never even touched in high school. To anyone out there who's still young, you don't need to know what to do when you're in high school. It's totally fine to explore in college. Both me and Jen did that. I tried many different things and I became a business major for a while, but you know, I felt like I could get a job out of this, but I wasn't really feeling that passionate about it. Mm -hmm. So then I took different classes in college and I stumbled across computer science and I actually really really enjoyed it I went that path almost halfway through college so Mm -hmm. honestly anything you want to do is maybe possible now I'm a software engineer yeah I think it's important to highlight that you have to first try out your options I definitely would not have figured out I wanted to do school psychology until I tried out my options and that was through extracurricular activities for me especially I did a lot of community service. And a lot of the times it was mostly just about education for me. Within that realm, I knew that I thrived in that environment. And I knew that I had certain skills that were that, na- that naturally came to-, to me. I do think that your personality or your skills also added to your decision in um, becoming a computer science engineer. Oh yeah, for sure. I think it's funny because nowadays a lot of people want to study computer science because they think you can make a lot of money. A lot of these people join uh, CS only because of that, not because they have a passion or they fit in that category. So they end up dropping out or they're miserable at the job. So I really think that you're going to have a preconception of what a major or even a field job industry is like, but you have to try it out and see if it's actually a good fit for yourself. Oh, yeah. Like you said, your personality, your influences, what you're good at. It's not just because you think it sounds cool or you want to make a lot of money or you know, you think this is a really important job, then it will just fit you. For sure. For sure. I mean, like you said, you have to really dip your feet into the field to really understand it, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. like even if you want to do something in college, right? Like you're pretty sure you're going to do that. It never hurts to take some extra classes just to try mm. out different things. For sure. Good tip for our college students. <laughs> <laughs> what are your future plans? I guess your five-year plan from now. And how did your past experience influence that? Another thing about college and going into the job is that sometimes you don't even necessarily have to do what you majored in, right? So for me, I definitely went the straight route where I just took the job that was meant for my major because that's what I wanted to do. In tech, there's actually a lot of different options. When you have a knowledge of software engineering and programming, you don't necessarily have to be an engineer forever. So for myself, I see myself exploring a lot of different options. Because I know a lot of people have this preconception that programming is just super boring, but there's actually a lot of sides to it. And I think I'll explore like program managing too, which is more of high level organizing things, like organizing projects. And then there's also design aspect, which I'm not a designer, but you know, even just being a manager working in tech, We'll see. You know, there are different, a lot of different routes. I don't necessarily know where exactly I'm going to be. Just like in college, you don't know where you're going to end up. I really love how you mentioned how you work in teams too. You know, a lot of the preconception of 
a stereotypical computer science engineer. A lot of people think that they work independently and they're just like boring people, which is not <laughs> true, right? You, yeah. You're a very like team-orientated person who values other people's concerns and like opinions on the project, right? And yeah. it's important to recognize that. Yeah, I can definitely get more into that later. But mm-hmm. what about you? What do your future plans look like? As for right now is to first get into grad school. I am currently in the application process of getting into grad school for school psychology. And once I become a school psychologist, I hope to not only get my degree for EDS, but also LPCC, which will give me the opportunity to provide private counseling and therapy for children from underserved communities. And also, I would love to do more research in equitable opportunities, utilizing cultural responsive interventions, um, a lot of key words for my, <laughs> for my field. As a person who majored as, with psychology, a very broad major especially, it was really hard for me to pinpoint one career that I really wanted to go into. Like I initially said, I wanted to do OT, right? But, you know, shadowing an OT, school OT, and trying out PT, I noticed that it, did, it didn't fit mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. And I think it's okay to realize that some routes aren't fit for you and it's okay to start again and try something new yes you know it came into a full circle after i realized that school psychology is right for me right i think it's really important to be flexible and i think when we were kids we thought Mm -hmm. that in your mid early 20s you have everything figured out but the truth is i think even when you're in your 30s or 40s you can find yourself not really happy where you are and then you see a better path for yourself. So, Mm. uh, I mean, I definitely changed my perspective on that, that, you know, nothing is fixed. If I'm Mm -hmm. happy and growing right now, I'm going to stay where I am. But if it changes in the future, then I'm going to change something too to make it better. So, So we already talked a lot about how it's important to find a good fit for you, for your personality and Mm -hmm. your skills. In what you want to do in school psychology, what do you think are some of the skills that are important to have? I think the biggest asset that I have is to be able to connect with people, um, especially children. I mean, as a school psychologist, you work with multiple different kinds of children uh, from diverse backgrounds, and you need to be able to advocate for them. And to do that, you have to initially understand them and listen to them and validate their concerns. I think that's a skill set that I've, I've acquired. And another skill set that I am very proud of is being adaptable within my environment. I think being able to utilize my creativity to build motivational structures for children is one of my greatest assets um, as an aspiring school psychologist. What about you? What kind of skill sets help you become a good computer science engineer? One of the things is, I think, being able to think really logically. And this is not really anything to do with intelligence, but 
I think you need to be able to think a certain way because I think even when I was in school, there are certain people who hate CS classes because they can't wrap their head around the logics and some of the structures. So I think you really need to enjoy that first of all. For me, I love I love it when things have structure and they make sense to me. So it came pretty naturally to me, I would say, at least in the beginning classes. And I also think that if you force it when you don't really like to think in that logical mindset, then you're probably going to burn out super fast. A lot of jobs have specific skills uh, that you should have to excel in it. And if you fake it, um, mm-hmm. you're only going to make it so far because I'm going to get kind of deep here. It's okay. <laughs> go for it. I'm ready. Career is not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? So Oof. <laughs> <laughs> Can you elaborate on that? When you're in your career, you're not really just finishing a project or doing a Mm -hmm. test. When you want to advance and get better at what you're doing, it's a long learning process. So if you use up all your energy in the beginning, you burn Mm -hmm. out, then you're not gonna get very far. For sure, for sure. I mean, in my field, (laughs) you can't fake to not love children, right? Right, like if I were to do your job, I don't think I would last very long. Mm-hmm. Not that Same I hate, hey, disclaimer, I don't hate children. It's just, <laughs> I think it takes a different kind of patience to work with children. Oh, and it takes a lot of patience to try to figure out those logic structures. <laughs> yeah. Here's a little, here's a little story. I took a similar computer coding class with her in my college years and I think I dropped out after the midterm (laughs) because just memorizing this, the logic structures just didn't help. And I I just couldn't understand it. I think if you uh, understand, especially like Lysia's theories, I guess, or not theories, but just uh, these things, then you don't need to memorize it. You just understand it. So if you feel like, I think in a lot of fields too, right? Memorization, maybe it applies to some people, but if you feel like you need to memorize something, then, and it doesn't come as naturally to you, then maybe it's a science, not a good fit. Oh, good point. Good point. So, you know, you talked about how sometimes your personality and just you as a person, it just fits right Uh for the career and Uh how... Um, when if it's right, it becomes a lot easier to continue your career, Yeah. right? Do you think that people are just born to do a specific job? Mm. Or are they conditioned or are there environmental factors that influence them to believe or choose a career path? Yeah, so I definitely think it's a lot of environmental factors because... Mm -hmm. We talked about this book before, The Defining Decade by Dr. Meg Jay, where she talks about different things that 20-somethings should know. And one of the things she talks about is that a lot of times people struggle in their 20s because they think that they have so many career options that anything is open to them. So actually, when you're given a lot of options, you don't know what to do because Mm -hmm. the possibilities just seem endless. But um, the reality is that because of how we grew up, our environmental factors, what we see in our lives, our experiences, and plus our personality, you know, kind of the things that are naturally within us and inherited, we actually only have a limited amount of choices. You can also 
be good at something, but you have no interest in it because the way you grew up just didn't expose you to that certain field, or you didn't see the problems that that job is trying to solve. So you don't really have a passion for it. For sure. What do you think? I agree with Dr. McJay's perspective on how limited choices can offer a specific career path. And sometimes, you know, I tell this a lot to my friends who've just graduated from college that you can find comfort in knowing that your experiences from your past and your environment that you were born within really shapes who you are right now. And all you gotta do is really take a time to self-reflect and understand you as a person, then make a decision for a career choice. A lot of the people I uh, talk to who graduated from college, they seem to be lost after graduating. They don't know exactly what they want to do, and they feel like whatever job choice they pick in the beginning will end up limiting them from what they want to do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I think a limitation or a certain boundary in, in clarifying what you can do really helps you narrow down your choices and better choose your career. I think it also plays into how meaningful your job is to you, right? Because if you're choosing from something that has directly impacted you in the past or something that really affects you or really uh, like stirs a passion inside of you, you're going to find a lot more meaning in your job rather than a random thing that you just chose because you saw someone doing it and it seemed cool. Oh, yeah. I mean, she also talks about the tyranny of the should, right? Especially now um, with the social media influence. The tyranny of the should is a huge power that pushes a lot of people to do something that they don't want to do, right? Like you said, it's, it's influenced by exterior motivation and Mm -hmm. it's something that the person hasn't been in shape to do, but they do they choose to do it because of what other people are doing. Right, right. Yeah. So it can be either money or they want to have that job title or it's just like something mm-hmm. that for example, I know we're gonna get into this too, but being Asian American, there are certain things that you're supposed to do. Yeah, I'm curious about something. So in yeah. your experience So I know that you're still kind of in the middle of going to grad school as well, but Mm -hmm. from after graduating undergrad and having done uh, some work in this field, what do you think the biggest difference is between being a student and working at a job? Oh, (laughs) there's so many differences, right? I think I've grown the most by working directly and and really utilizing my practical knowledge really helped me understand what that career entailed. You know, at school, you learn a lot about theories, you learn about models, but you never get a chance to actually practice it or interact with the community and see how your actions directly affect the people around you. Yeah. That is such a big motivator, especially within my field, Mm -hmm. because as a person who is within the ABA field, which is 
about behavioral analysis. If I, as a teacher, do some action, right? Let's say I am tutoring a child to, to utilize a certain phrase rather than yelling or having a tantrum. I have to phrase that in a certain way to not affect their long-term mental health or affect their current state of trauma. So like you have to really be mindful in how you present yourself and how you influence other people. And I think that's a big motivator, especially when working in the field. What about you? What do you think is a little bit different compared to your experience back at USC? Before I graduated, you know, you always hear people who are working talking about how different it is and then I think when I was a student, especially because I was a CS student, you know how people in STEM are always complaining about how hard their homework is? <laughs> I'll be like, oh yeah, my studying is really hard too, you know, or I'll go to internships and feel like, you know, working is not as bad as you say it is. But once I graduated and started working in a full-time job, I realized why it's so much more stressful. A huge part is because our responsibility is different now. Before you're responsible for yourself. If you mess up something, first of all, the consequences are a lot lower, right? The stakes are oh, not yeah. that high. Also, it's only for, sure. for yourself. So if you mess up something, you either get a bad grade, maybe you fail a test, or you don't get mm -hmm. into the school you wanted to get into, mm -hmm. which, you know, can be a big deal, but it's kind of different from when I started working because the, your responsibility there now affects a lot of other people. And yeah. it's people you work with, like oh, your yeah. company, but also I think in almost any job, it affects people outside, right? Because mm -hmm. even if it's not, you're not selling a product or anything like that, you have an end user, you're either selling a service or something. So then you're affecting a lot of other people that's not even related to you if you mess yeah. something up at work. So oh, yeah. that amount of responsibility is completely different. You know, on the upside, I think it also creates more meaning for me because when I see that what I'm doing is affecting all these people in a positive way, it makes, it gives me a lot of fulfillment. But at the same oh, yeah. time, you have to take ownership and really be responsible. And it's not just, I'm going to finish this project and I can just do the bare minimum because I'm just going to turn it in and never think about it again. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay, so I mean, that is a very meaningful yet stressful part of being in a full-time job, living yeah, in the real world, right? For sure. Then, do you prefer being a student or working? I prefer working just because, okay, it, it's it's really muddled with uh, for me because I want to become a graduate student, which means I want to go back at being a student as well, but it's different now because I have a clear sight of purpose. Mm -hmm. As a student and undergrad, I was very confused and I didn't have like one goal to chase after. And therefore, whatever I did at school, you know, the homework I did, it didn't feel meaningful. It didn't feel, I didn't feel fulfillment. But as a employee working as a behavioral technician, I did feel more meaning and I did feel more fulfillment. And as a graduate student, I think that will reflect even more just because that as a graduate student, I a lot of my studies will be focused on getting a credential. 
What about you? Do you prefer being a student or working? Oh, I never want to be a student ever again. <laughs> For me, I I appreciate. You know, having gone through a four-year education,、yeah. I know it's not—it's a privilege to be able to、mm-hmm. do that. But I just don't like education or learning process. I don't think it's very effective, and I don't know how we will ever solve that.、Mm-hmm. But I just—I learned so much more on the job, whether it's like internships or any kind of hands-on opportunity, rather than sitting in the classroom、yeah. and taking tests. Like for me, taking tests was all memorization, but I didn't retain anything. I am grateful that I got to learn a lot of the basis of what I need to know for my job at school because having a degree makes a huge difference, right? But yeah, I I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> I did consider at some point going back for an MBA,、mm-hmm. but if it's not necessary, I don't think I would go to school. Girl, on the day when we graduated, you were yelling at me with like with a really big smile face. You were like, "I don't have to hold another pencil or take another test anymore," and I was like, "Wow, <laughs> can't relate." <laughs> Higher education, especially, really depends on the field,、sure. right? Like for a lot of things you want to do, you have to go to grad school、mm-hmm. um, or Uh, go get a PhD for it.、Mm-hmm. I am working with a lot of people who have a master's,、uh, but I don't really see a huge difference、mm-hmm. in our knowledge because so much is coming from real world experience.、Yeah. So if I don't see the need for it, I don't want to throw in more money and time just for a degree. Yep, I agree. I agree with that. I can go in a whole spiel about how the education system is just、mm-hmm. separated and. Is monopolized and capitalized, but I I'm not gonna go there. <laughs> like you said, it depends on the degree, it depends on the field. So you know, we toss the word meaning and meaningfulness in our job a lot within this episode. I was wondering what meaning means to you in your job and how that reflects off of what you do. Uh, so this is my personal philosophy. I think that. It's okay if you don't work at a job where you jump out of bed every day, being excited to go to work. And the reason being that I think, even when you do something that you really like, sometimes when it's a job, it becomes a job, and it feels like something that you're obligated to do. And then there are gonna be requirements and different limitations you have because it's a job. So I think it's okay to work on something that. You enjoy, but it doesn't have to be your most passionate thing in life. It should still be something that brings meaning and fulfillment to you. Because if you're working at a dead end job where you just dread going to work every day, that's really really unhealthy for you and your mental health. We can save some of the most passionate projects. At least this is what I'm doing for my free、mm-hmm. time. Because my job provides me stability. It also has a pretty flexible time. So I'm able to take that money and time I have, and go and do what I really love to do in my free time.、That's、good, right?、Um, you know, we always emphasize throughout all of our episodes how important it is to value uniqueness in each person and not compare based off of what we say, right? So, like, meaning is unique to each person. Meaning is different for each person, and we must value that, right? Uh, you know, you mentioned about how passion is different, right? And how passion can be present in your work at at work,、um, like career work, or work at home, like passion projects. 
I think it's important、mm-hmm. to make a significant separation or distinction between passion and purpose in life. This is something that I read off of a book called "It's Always About the Children" by Dr. Charles A. Barrett, and he mentions how passion can reflect off of your job or your craft in after work and whatnot, but purpose in life is different, where it adds meaning to whatever you do in just living life, right? And For me, that really reflects because I find meaning through my job, and I also find meaning in my relationships and interactions with people outside of my job.、Uh, you should find meaning in your job, but maybe don't make your job everything.、Mm-hmm. A lot of things should be important. If you only devote yourself to one thing. Then when that thing doesn't go well, then your whole world crumbles, which is not a healthy mindset to have. But another thing that you mentioned that was interesting to me was meaningfulness is different for every person. A lot of this is affected by their childhood and their experience that they have, right? Maybe you saw someone struggling in something, and you want to grow up and become a person that's able to make change in that area. What do you think about that, and how we can? Be more mindful that everyone is different in terms of what they value and how we can still respect other people's decision in their、mm-hmm. professions and or even what they do in their free、mm-hmm. time. I think the word meaningfulness has been overused, and this term has been labeled by higher-paying jobs that have to do with like health. Um, or education, very like public goods related jobs. I think it really undermines a lot of the other kind of career pathways that have meaning in a different way. You know, we always emphasize how meaning is defined by each person, and it shouldn't be compared or placed on a hierarchy. And I think the way to stop that is to. Really listen to another person's story, you know, through our like DMCs, like what we're doing right now, and realize that each individual is different and unique in their own way. Cherish the fact that that person finds meaning in a different way. I think if we are more open to understanding or or seeing in a different perspective. I think it will help the world become a lot less competitive and、mm-hmm. really place a umbrella label over everything. Yeah, right. It's so it kind of ties into defining a person or that person's purpose、mm-hmm. in life with their job title,、oh, yeah. right? Because I think there are a lot of things that we judge people based on, and job title is definitely、oh, yeah. one of them. Oh, actually, I was watching. Wang Fu's lunch、nice. break, and they were talking about、uh-huh. this topic. And someone mentioned that a lot of times when people start dating,、mm-hmm. the guy will go back to their guy friends, and then what they ask is like, "Is she hot? <laughs> like, is she cute?" <laughs> <laughs> But then the girls will go back, and then a lot of times the girl's first question is, "What job does he do?" Ooh. I mean, obviously, I think there's also like how tall is he. <laughs> <laughs> 
Ours is eyes beautiful. And like scrolling down screen, like I swear he looks better in person. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guilty. Definitely see that happen. But a lot of times like girls do focus on um, what job does he do? And I I think, okay, the men and women thing aside, which is another topic that we don't want to go into. We will explore later. Men probably care about this too, right? Like what Mm -hmm. job does this person do when you're dating someone? That matters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But then, like, it confines this person to their job title. What if they also spend all the time in their free time doing other things and contributing mm-hmm. to causes, right? But mm-hmm. you just put one label because of what they do as their full-time job. Yeah. That's not really fair. I, I mean, it's really hard not to use stereotypes, right? As yeah. human beings, we just use heuristics as if it's, like, ABCs. We have to really holistically see a person um, and understand that a person, you know, is more than just their job, yeah. right? Do you think that people would be okay with not sharing their job title um, in their Tinder profile or <laughs> their relationship profiles um, when they first meet someone? No, I honestly, like truthfully, I don't think so because that's one of the first things that people care about. Mm-hmm. And I think the reason being that job title directly ties to how much money they're earning. Mm-hmm. And that is something a lot of people look for in a partner. Um, I don't necessarily blame them for that. I think financial stability and the same level of financial like just ability to pay for things is important when you're looking for, sure. for a partner. But I think that might be also a problem with online dating because you're putting everything on a profile as if you know this person's appearances and a couple lines of bio and what they Mm -hmm. do can really encapture who they are as a person but it's not really possible but that's like with everything else too right like you're also talking about I don't know things like your height or you you write down your own personality but those are just bullet points that there's no way you can actually get to know a person through that profile so yeah yeah I mean, action says more than words, right? Like you representing yourself by personally having those interactions with another person is more precious and a lot, I guess, more significant than just a profile on paper. (laughs) Yeah, it's really difficult. I think we're all guilty. I mean, I'm definitely guilty of judging people first thing based on what they do and I'm, I'm trying to not do that as much and trying to understand that everyone hopefully is doing something that has some meaning to them or maybe they're not even in the position that they're able to do that so yeah and it's really hard to I guess have those conversations without the right environment mm-hmm. right our purpose to do our podcast is to provide spaces those safe spaces where we're able to have those conversations to better understand each other and realize that every person is unique in their own way and validating that. Okay, uh, so there's another topic about careers that I think we should definitely talk about, which is YAPI culture. Mm -hmm. So for those of you that don't know, YAPI stands for a young Asian professional who pursue financial stability and comfortable jobs and not taking huge risks in life and overall because they like to play it safe. Oh, can you give me an example then? 
I mean, examples would be example jobs of what a yap he would do、yeah. would be doctor, engineer, lawyer, right? Very、mm. typical what is expected、um, of an Asian child. Yeah, these are all jobs that bring financial stability and have a job title that is quote unquote respectable. So that's something I wanted to get into because I think I'm definitely a Uh, on paper, a yappy for sure. <laughs>、uh-huh. So I wanted to talk about you know being Asian American, how it feels like to first of all, do we feel pressure to be a yappy and like being a yappy? How does that feel? So let's、mm-hmm. just start with you know, do you feel like when you were choosing career, any pressure to do things that were more in this category that will be approved by Asian parents? Yeah. Oh, most definitely. I I have. A unique case. So my parents, you know, did、uh, encourage me to become a doctor or a lawyer. You know that question. I feel、yeah. like all Asians,、um, Asian Americans, have once been questioned that. <laughs> <laughs>、um, but my parents, you know, they are Korean immigrants, and they lived a tough life financially. And as a First generation college graduate, I wanted to give back to them.、Mm-hmm. Right, one way to do that is to get a job that has a financial stability. Hence, reason why I did a lot of exploring in OT. I did a lot of exploring in like medical fields. I also considered accounting at one point in my life. And let me know. Let me tell you, that's a really That does not fit me, <laughs> but no, no, and, no, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't have done that if. I didn't have that parental pressure and that pressure of being an immigrant child、um, mm-hmm. who aims to, you know, provide that stability for the family. What about you? What,、uh, you know, from your experience in your past experience, have you had that pressure to be、um, in those shoes? So when I was growing up, my parents have actually not been the most strict, like tiger parents. Uh-huh. I, no one ever forced me to choose to become an engineer. I actually totally made that choice myself. But I do feel like I can't say there's no influence, you know, in the decision to do something that's a lot more of、uh, within this category. Because I'm sure there are,、uh, you know, like subconscious influences that I see these things as more stable and. I see these jobs as like providing more stability, right?、Um, I never did have direct pressure from my parents, though. I think that's kind of unique in the Asian family. I think almost everyone I know, their parents, let's say especially men, Asian men,、uh, parents care a lot about what they do, so they have a lot of pressure coming from that. So I've been lucky to not have that, but I still ultimately became a yappy.、So. Nice. Nice, just uh, just a rite of passage. I'm just joking. <laughs> I mean, do you have another job that you want to try if you didn't have to care about any kind of stability at all? Okay, yeah. If I, you know, I had the financial stability and、uh, my family is okay without me, you know, them being dependent on me, I would go live in the mountains and、um, spend my day painting trees and clouds. Yep. And and sell your paintings as a job. Yeah, and sell my paintings to the neighborly, 
people around me um, and make tea in the morning and just live like a mountain woman. (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be my ideal lifestyle. (laughs) I think, yeah, that's something that, like, in my eyes that you can still do, you know, just maybe in the future. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, after, you know, after I retire. (laughs) Yeah. Or even, like, if you wanted to take a break for a month or or two. I totally see that as something that you can do. But thing is, right, like, I enjoy my hobbies. Yes. I really do. I enjoy, like, being an artist and, you like, exploring creative mediums. But it's not all my life. I can't see myself dedicating it as if it's a career Um, because I'm not so passionate and in love with it that much to the point where I would see myself being an artist full time. Yeah, yeah, that's why that's how I feel too a lot about a lot of the hobbies that I have. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily something that if it becomes a career, you might actually lose interest in it. Yeah, that's what I'm scared of. You know, I, I started an Instagram one time and posted my pictures up, and I was kind of conscious. Like, I, it didn't really motivate me to make my next painting just mm-hmm. because I felt like it was under the public's eye, mm-hmm. and I felt like I had to, you know, fit a certain criteria to please the audience and I just it didn't really help me motivate me to do more Mm -hmm. so you know what about you though if you had the choice to do another job what would it be and why would you choose yeah when I think about this question I really don't have anything that particularly stands out to me oh interesting Uh, like but you know we just discussed this too I don't think I have something that I want to turn into a job because Uh when it becomes a job I don't think it'll be very fun to do it like Mm -hmm. for example on this podcast we explore a lot of new skills like editing right audio editing Mm -hmm. and also some graphic design components and I'm having a lot of fun doing it but if this becomes a job I can see how stressful it could be and how much it wouldn't be fun anymore you know if I if I had all these requirements and obligations to edit podcasts I don't think I'll find it very fun Uh (laughs) so yeah I don't I don't really have anything in particular I think I like I said before I I more want to spend time when I'm free to do things that really matter to me but those are not jobs so I kind of wanted to talk about my experience being a yappy because I think a lot of times people are actually really critical of Asian people who choose the very like obvious careers uh, such as being an engineer because then they kind of bash on you for not doing something that you actually want to do. Um, so I just wanted to say that there's also the other side of things where I'm actually okay with being a yappy, and I think that we don't need to make people feel bad if mm-hmm. that's really what suits them and what's good for them, right? I think we should encourage people, um, and I'm talking about like Asian American and Asian communities, to be able to explore themselves and do what they really want to do if they have something they really want to do. But if someone's already in that career and they actually chose it because it suits them, then, um, you know, that's not scrutinized too much. Yeah, right? for Because sure. maybe, maybe they want to be a doctor or a lawyer or engineer because they actually thrive in that field. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but I think we should encourage everyone to at least explore what will make them happier if they're not currently happy doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. I know. Yeah, you're, you're always telling me how you're always learning and you love that about your job. Um, but, you know, it's, it's really hard to break away from stereotypes, right? Like being a yappy sometimes and you know you sharing your story in that and your experience in that will probably help others understand your perspective in it yeah it's like don't feel pressure to do any of these jobs but if you have genuine interest in it also you know pursue it yeah for sure yeah right I think so one of the criticism of being gappy also is that you're choosing financial stability and playing it safe uh-huh. over taking risks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that criticism doesn't apply to everyone because people all have different priorities in life. I personally really, really value financial stability because of the way I was brought up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was the number one thing that my parents always told me that you need to be able to provide for yourself, right? Because... Uh, the main reason not being because money is so important mm-hmm. and you need to be really rich, but because you don't want to have to rely on someone else. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot in my life growing up, especially women who financially had to rely on other people like their partner, mm-hmm. their husbands. And because of that, they were never truly free. And that is something that is terrifying to me. Um Especially being away from my family, uh, my parents are not near me, and you know, like I'm here, sort of by myself. I need to make sure that I can provide for myself first and foremost. So, you know, I feel like it goes back to what we were saying earlier about environmental factors, right? Like this is how I was brought up, so it really affects what I want in life and what I think is important. I definitely agree with you on that. I think my parents really pushed the independency and letting me know that, you know, if you want to get things done or if you want certain things, then you need to strive for it on your own. And as having those kind of parents, I think, really influenced me wanting to become a school psychologist. Initially, I wanted to be a teacher. But being a teacher is not financially stable, especially within the Los Angeles County. Being a teacher, you are placed in a lot of underserved communities and you aren't appreciated and compensated for your work and efforts. Or I I chose um, school psychologist as my career because not only does it help me uh, provide those equitable opportunities through education but also it provides me the stability to provide those services for them it's important to realize that it's okay if you care about you know finances and you want to organize Mm -hmm. that doesn't make you less cool or less artistic Mm -hmm. i think it's also just being realistic about what we need first and foremost the essentials and then um we need to be stable first and then we can move on to other things that are really important in life. Um, I think that really reflects off of, I think it's called, it's a form of altruism where if you want to give to others, you must first take care of yourself. And um, I think that really reflects off of what my career does. Uh, so before we end this episode, 
Do you have any final thoughts or advice for someone who, let's say, is in school right now and is having a hard time, you know, finding a job they like? I think you really need to dip your feet into the pool to get started. If you have an interest in something, then apply to a job that is related to that interest or look up or do your research in that specific career that you're interested in because then once you gain more knowledge in whatever you're interested in, you're able to create a solid image of what you want in that career field. Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. What about you? What uh, kind of tips do you want? I think one thing, maybe not for someone in school, but at a job, I think a good way to measure if this job is good for you is how much you're learning from it, truly. Because I don't think any of us will become a true expert in anything. Um, there's always new things to learn. And it's first important to go in with that mindset. But also, if you find that you're at a job where... It's kind of going stale and you're just doing the same things over and over again then like why not explore another option that will help you grow more right because there's so many things that we don't know and it's important to be learning every day oh my mentor recently told me this and i think it really resonates with me he said to learn to teach others so that's the biggest difference when you're working out in the field. Um, you know, back at school, you're really learning. You're just learning through rot memorization just to get that right answer. But now you're learning to teach others just to gain that knowledge and make it your own craft and, and you know, ask questions to better your craft. Yeah, and also just remember that uh, if you're struggling in your 20s, a lot of people are. You're not alone and you will find something eventually just keep trying i love that wait Ew. i love that it's <laughs> cringy, like a life but coach. it's so good <laughs> yeah i mean i love that because it adds comfort into letting people know that you know we're also here we were we went through that tough time and we are here to listen to your stories and let you know that it's gonna be okay just keep on going yes yes Thank you guys for tuning in in today's episode. This ends our postgrad trilogy, but if you have any more questions or you want to discuss different things about, you know, postgrad graduating from college, please let us know and we can talk about it more. As always, thank you my friends for listening in to our DMC for this episode. You know, always feel free to reach out to us, DM us, let us know how your day's going. And if you have any questions regarding um, our career pathways as a school psychologist and a computer science engineer, you're always welcome to ask us questions. Thanks. See you next week, my friends. Bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. If you want to hear more episodes on different topics, you can find us on anchor.fm slash DMC with a friend. If you want to share your stories and experiences with us too, please follow us on our Instagram, DMC with a friend. And as always, thank you so much for the support and we hope that you will tune in next time.